RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Oh, we're locked and loaded. It is the month of March, and we are thrilled to be back with you as part of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to the underdog And we are counting down. In fact, automatic bids for the NCAA tournament will be going out this weekend, leading all the way to the field of 68 being unveiled for the first time a week from Sunday. Can you believe that we're only about 9, 10 days, depending on when you hear us, maybe even less, from Selection Sunday, college basketball, the best event in sports, the 2019 NCAA tournament leading all the way to the Final Four in Minnesota. I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers is back with me. Good to have you and good to be talking lots and lots of March basketball. Here we go. Buckle up. That's right. Death taxes, Bo Ryan. It's March. <laughs> and I know uh, to which you are referring, if people uh, aren't going to get the hints, are you going to try to unveil as many of those in the podcast no. as possible? Uh, that's a, no, uh, I'm not. I just want to leave it at that. If you figure it out, great. If not, then There are subtle references uh, that you may see on social media frequently. And so uh, after like the third one that you, that you slide in, I'm going to clue the audience in that's not aware of it uh, as of okay. yet. Because after all, this is March. So let's uh, let's continue along on that theme and talk about some of the games uh, that are important and prominent this week. Let's get to some underdogs a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk about free throw awareness and free throw awareness month and how foul shooting has already almost cost some teams. It has cost other teams, and it will here in March. Matt Zimmick will be back with me from CBB Today, from College Basketball Today, the website cbbtoday.com. He will be here talking free throw awareness with me, so uh, we'll do that later on the show. And then we've got a huge final regular season weekend, including the Saturday slate that sets up for the Power Six conferences, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Big East, I include in that. So we're going to talk all about Saturday with Kevin when he comes back here in the final segment. All right, so uh, before we get into actual underdog predictions for Thursday, Let's begin with a couple of crazy things uh, that have gone on this week. It is now official. Uh, ring the bell. It's over. P- place the 10, ca- uh, 10 count on them. Um, lower the flag to half staff at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. There will be no Big 12 championship or co-championship in the regular season for Kansas for the first time in 15 years going back to 2004 after the Jayhawks lost on Monday night at Oklahoma It knocked them out two games behind both Kansas State and Texas Tech at the top. And and in uh, the cases there, the tiebreakers don't help them either. So that's going to be it. They're two behind with only one to go. So they don't get a share or the outright Big 12 title. Uh, Kevin, what uh, what about it? It's finally finally it has happened. Somebody in the Big Twelve, whether it be those two or Texas or Iowa State or Oklahoma, breaks through and wins the regular season title without Kansas at least in a tie. Obviously, it's a very uh, it's a very great streak that uh, Bill 
able to have, and obviously it's in the NBA where you have the same players for 10 years, that, that he's had so much turnover over the years. And I don't know if that's just him being, or he having a dominant program or the Big 12 was as strong as it is now where Texas Tech is a factor in there. Kansas State is as well. For years, Kansas State was, uh, I don't say a doormat, but they, but they were definitely second tier to Kansas in that conference. And now there's some more competition. And, and, and funny enough, West Virginia, who always been good, is terrible this year. But, uh, yeah, it's obviously a very good streak. But also part of me thinks, well, when it's all said and done, you have one championship, one national championship out of that. And that was all because of your Tigers oh. couldn't get free throws at the end. Oh. I didn't mean to bring that up, but I'm just saying, and if it was someone else, I still would have brought it up. But they have won national championships. So I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to win all those Big 12 titles. It's obviously a great streak to have. But in the end, what do you have to show for it? You know, And, and probably with that being said, Kansas probably go far in this year's tournament just because <laughs> it's always like the story with Michigan State. Well, look, so I mean, they've been, they've they been. They go the, far, but they're a one seed, they lose early. They've been in the Final Four uh, two or three times here besides that championship win. They, they have been eliminated several times as the higher-seeded team early in the tournament. But it's not as if they haven't gone deep a couple of times into the uh, Elite Eight or the Final Four besides this. Uh, Bill Self has overcome some of that, and even with lesser talent here. But maybe uh, should we not also make the argument that the job Chris Beard has done two years in a row, the job at uh, Texas Tech we're talking about, the job that uh, Bruce Weber has done two years in a row at K-State, uh, we should be applauding some of that. They figured it out. They are at a very high level, and those are those are two teams that could make a deep run this year. Remember, Kansas State was an Elite Eight team last year. Texas Tech, a Sweet 16 team last year. Maybe we should be giving them more credit for, for winning at least a share, if not one of them outright winning the Big 12 when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they both deserve credit you know, for what they've done, and that it just helps the conference. You know, I mean, to have the same team win it, Every single year, Duke didn't win the, the ACC 12 straight years, you know, and obviously that's more balanced conference, but it's good to see different schools win it. And obviously Kansas is still elite. Like, we know they're an elite program, but we all know when you get to the NCAA tournament, you get to the Elite Eight, you get to the Final Four, those are good accomplishments, but, you know, you still have one title. Like, like and it's the same thing with Jim Beheim for years. Yep. He didn't have any titles before he, he – Kansas, coincidentally, and Samuel Lute Olson at Arizona, that there are these coaches that have all these wins, and yet, what do you, you don't have titles. You're, you're just like a compiler. I, I mean, you look at Roy Williams and Coach K, that those guys have multiple titles, so they've been able to do it, uh, you know, over a long span of time, but coaches they have all these wins but isn't that maybe and it may be an indication of how hard it is to win consistently because to your point Izzo for all the wins at Michigan State has the one championship um you mentioned Bayheim as another one self as one John Calipari at Kentucky yes he's been in the in the championship game or at least uh, yes uh in the final four with UMass the championship game that championship game you referenced Memphis and Kansas with the Memphis Tigers and now with Kentucky they have been uh they have won a title with Anthony Davis but they've also lost in the final four even lost to the championship uh UConn team of 2014 in the title game he's been in the final four over and over again 
There's one title there. Jay Wright got the second title two and three years, but he's the only other active coach besides Roy Williams and uh, and uh, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, with more than one. There are a lot of other coaches that only have the one, and maybe that speaks to just how hard it is uh, to win in March. Obviously, Rick Pitino run out immediately by uh, Louisville has multiple national titles. Billy Donovan went to the NBA after he had the back-to-back national titles earlier this century. So it is hard to do. And it is fascinating, too, as you as you mentioned, uh, how hard it is to win five in a row, eight in a row, ten in a row. UCLA and John Wooden had the, the, uh, the 14 in a row previously, uh, but now the 15 in a row eludes um, uh, Kansas in this instance. So it will not be 15 uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks this go-around. Hey, Kevin, let's have some fun with this and with the audience here on Three Dog Thursday, and I promise we have, we'll have some underdog picks coming up here in a couple of moments here on the uh, on the program. So let's go back to 2004. Let's, t- let's test some of your things that you think you remember or what you know from 2004. So 2004 had an unbeaten team in the regular season, and it's kind of interesting here uh, how it all ties in. Do you remember the Atlantic 10 team that was unbeaten? I know, it's St. Joseph's. I know Very exactly nice. what it was. I lived in Kansas City. It was Delonte West and Jameer Nelson. Very nice. So St. Joe's had an unbeaten regular season that year, 2004. Uh, at 27-0, they lost their first game in the Atlantic 10 tournament for their first loss of the season. Oklahoma State, by the way, won the Big 12 that year. That is the last time that Kansas did not win or share the Big 12. Oklahoma State won it. And Oklahoma State beat St. Joe's, the number one team in the country, in the NCAA tournament and went on to the Final Four uh, themselves that season. So uh, there you go on, uh, on a little history with college basketball. Now let's have some other fun in and around 2004 and, and the spring, March, April. Uh, the 2004 presidential election was unfolding. That was George Bush as the incumbent Republican. Uh, you had the big Super Tuesday politics. He obviously uh, got most of the the delegates, et cetera, and got the nomination. Do you remember who ran against George Bush? I know it's a few election cycles ago in 2004. Uh, it was not Al Gore on the rematch. Do you happen to remember in your politics, Kevin Rogers? Do you remember? Oh, How about John geez. Kerry was your Democratic nominee? He won all the Super Tuesday uh, delegate elections. Uh, he went on to the nomination later that summer, got all the delegation uh, got all the delegate votes, so John Kerry ran against George Bush unsuccessfully in 04. All right, so let's bring it back to some things that you would know. Uh, Martha Stewart, by the way, was convicted in 2004 and sent to jail, thrown off TV and into jail for insider trading. That happened in 2004. Tom Brokaw had been anchoring the NBC Nightly News for almost 25 years. He signed off in December of 2004. Vladimir Putin, by the way, uh, was reelected president of Russia. He's still the president of Russia. 15 years later, he was reelected in 2004 uh, for a second term quote-unquote they don't even have terms anymore he's just the guy uh now uh how about a couple more the red sox as you know kevin in 2004 won the world series for the first time since 1918 that happened 2004 and how about a good one on ken jennings ken jennings of jeopardy fame his famed run uh happened 15 years ago of winning every night on the jeopardy game show do you know give me a guess ballpark it how many nights in a row did ken jennings win on jeopardy any guess kevin rogers 
Was there like 72 or something? Good guess. 78 straight wins. Uh, you talk about consistency. How about that? 78 wins in a row for Ken Jennings. That happened from the summer of uh, 2004 until he lost on an episode in November of 2004. Ken Jennings won $2.5 million with his nightly winnings on Jeopardy. And by the way, we still watch the show. I know you kick it around and watch the show, and they just recently had him on on an all-star like Hall of Fame edition of Jeopardy. He was just on. Uh, a few uh, like last week on Jeopardy at the time that we're taping this podcast. So Ken Jennings won 78 times in a row on Jeopardy. That ended in oh, it's been a while is my point, Kevin. Since uh, since oh four, uh, how about the last episode of Friends aired in two thousand and four? Barry Bonds hit a seventh seven hundredth home run in two thousand and four. Uh, we landed the Mars space rover uh, successfully. The Mars space rover Spirit landed in two- 2004. Had a lot of stuff besides Kansas not winning the Big 12. Kevin, one final comment. Isn't that amazing? Kansas did not did not run the world. And in 2004, if I'm not mistaken, no, Kansas got to the Elite Eight. I was living out there. They got to the Elite Eight and lost to Georgia. Heck, I think. Right. Your, fi- your final four, your, to help you, your right. final four was Duke, UConn, Georgia Tech, and Oklahoma State that year. So you believe they lost to Georgia Tech, and you're probably right on that one. So they got knocked out right. of the final and, four? And you, yeah, UConn won it that year, and, and then the next year that is when they lost to Bucknell as a three seed. Yeah, how about that? And, and for the Jayhawks, they lost... Uh, on a trip to go to the Alamo Dome, where UConn later won the national title in 2004, and then four years later back in San Antonio, as you mentioned. Why am I bringing it up? They beat my Memphis Tigers for Bill Self's only national title. All right, so there's a little 2004 uh, trivia here on the program. Okay, so uh, a couple of other things that I want to cover real quick. At the time we're talking right now, the Duke-Carolina game is looming for Saturday. The huge final ACC showdown with uh, North Carolina still chasing uh, uh, Virginia for the top seed in the ACC. Duke is a peg behind uh, at the moment. Zion Williamson did not play in the Tuesday night game. Uh, Kevin, what in the world with Wake Forest, a bad Wake Forest team, almost beating Duke. I know Zion did not play, but Duke at home, uh, uh, what do we chalk that up to uh, here? Uh, that that Wake almost upset them at Cameron uh, as Duke almost let that game get away from them? I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I mean, you know, yes, even if Wake beat them, I understand Wake is not very good. They just lost by 25 to Syracuse over the weekend. But still an ACC team. It's still a rivalry game. And... You know, if Duke loses to Binghamton at home, I say, what's going on? But, you know, I think, again, it comes down to I think it comes down to a little bit of boredom. They know they're going to be a high seed in the tournament. They're playing without Zion. They're just trying to get through these games and get him back for the tournament, for the ACC tournament, likely, and then the NCAA tournament. I just think that they just left on it. I think it's as simple as that. I don't make anything of it. You know, they played well against Miami last Saturday, and... I say that's what it comes down to. You're just not motivated to play Wake. Simple as that. You're going to see them probably play a lot better against North Carolina on Saturday. A, because it's a revenge game, and B, just because it's North Carolina. 
Uh, gauge for me percentage chance that Zion Williamson tries it coach K left the door open on Tuesday night and said he would practice he actually practiced some on Tuesday he will practice later in the week you may already know if you're listening to us that they ruled him out I doubt they will rule him out before Saturday night but they may have ruled him out you may know that Kevin and I don't know that give me an educated guess is there a 10% chance a 25% chance that he tries it because again at the moment Duke is kind of still in in the mix for the one or the two seed in the ACC tournament uh, the following week. What gauge a chance? What do you think? Zero. None. He will not play. I don't think he plays. I don't think he plays. I think give him another week or so. You know they're going to be a high seed. Really, what difference does it make if they're a one or a two or a three in the ACC? They're still going to be a high seed. They're still better than all of the teams below them. They've proven they could beat Virginia and obviously Carolina. It's an incomplete just because you didn't get to see him play against them and it kind of took everything out of him in that game at Cameron, but I don't think he plays. I don't think there's a reason to play him, save him, give him another week to rehab or to get better, and then and then see where you stand in the ACC tournament. You know what? When it's all said and done, you may get Carolina one more time. It could very well, and, and again, you want him – uh, you want him to see some game action, but maybe you want him, to, instead of that hated rivalry game like you're talking about, again, I don't know what they're going to do, maybe you want it on a neutral floor against a lesser team. Uh, you know, Somebody like Boston College or whoever you might play in the opening round of the ACC tournament, NC State, Miami again, whoever it is that Duke might see uh, in the ACC tournament, and that's Zion's first game to take it easy, not play a full 40, not not play uh, all out like, like what that's going to be at the Dean Dome on Saturday. More on that game in our final segment in a few minutes okay so with all of that uh, out of the way here to talk a little college basketball midweek let's get to some Thursday underdogs you and I each need to come up with some underdogs this week on three dog Thursday final week of the regular season in the power conferences as we mentioned automatic bids will be going out this weekend for the field of 68 uh, somewhat 33 conference tournament champions will be crowned starting with this weekend Kevin where do you want to begin on a Thursday on a Thursday evening with three dog Thursday who do you like and why I'm going to start with the American Athletic Conference and I know it's kind of a ugly dog but whatever this is what we're about and I'm going to go with the Mustangs of SMU and Houston not the one that I thought you might go with SMU and Houston go ahead yeah, I, uh, I mean, a couple things in this. Houston's coming off their second loss of the year. UCF beat them last Saturday. And, you know, a team like Houston who hasn't lost at home, I believe, in two seasons, and coincidentally against SMU, granted a better SMU team two years ago. But I, I think that people will look at it and say, oh, Houston's going to bounce back. And, I mean, Houston's obviously more talented than SMU. But people look at that and say, oh, they're just going to bounce back and they're going to kill SMU, where SMU has had a lot of problems this year. They've had a down year. They got blown out at UCF a few weeks ago on a Sunday, and they just lost to uh, Wichita State recently. I just think that this is a lot of points for Houston to swallow here, where Houston has on deck coming up Saturday Cincinnati, and that is going to be, depending on what happens in the Cincinnati-UCF game, it's going to be for first place in the conference, or the number one seed in the the AAC tournament. So I just think that Houston, you know, could be – stuck here where they had the UCF game, they have Cincinnati up ahead, that SMU it's hard to get up for this one and uh, I think SMU hangs with them Very interesting taking 13 points in that one, so along those same lines I will go American Conference and I thought you might for a half second be taking the Cincinnati Bearcats Yes, they put it on my Memphis Tigers last Saturday night, they almost coughed up a late lead They look good 
at home for about 38 minutes and almost gave the game away, but they did defeat Memphis. They are 14-2 and in the conference going into this game in Orlando Thursday night uh, on UCF's campus. I'll take Mick Cronin's Bearcats. You made mention that if they win this game, they have Houston on their home floor with a chance to be the number one seed by beating the Cougars. So UCF did Cincinnati a favor by beating Houston. That put this into play now that they could possibly catch Houston, the Bearcats. They've got to take care of business first. I think Jerron Cumberland and Cincinnati will win the game Thursday night in Orlando. I will take the two points and the outright win for Cincinnati as my uh, first underdog here. So we both go American Conference, and that sets up the game for Saturday, which we'll talk about a little bit later on uh, here when we bring Kevin back in our final segment. All right. Your second Thursday night underdog, who do you like, where and why for Doggy 2? I'm going to go to the Pac-12, and I know the numbers are not favoring me here or favoring them, I guess, but you know what? I'm going to take a shot with this. USC is getting three against Utah, and this is a revenge game for USC. They lost at home to Utah earlier in the season, and they have this Utah-Colorado trip where there seems to be – a look ahead against Colorado where, where Tad Boyle, the coach of Colorado and Andy Enfield at USC, they both kind of have like this war of wars or whatever it is. It's gone back a few years and Colorado beat them at home a few weeks ago. And a lot of, you know, trash talking back and forth uh, towards the end of the game. You know, so people will look at that and say, well, USC is going to look ahead to that, but I think they get Utah here. Utah has struggled at home recently. They lost three of their past four. And also for USC, they have one dubious number going against them. They are 0-9 this year, straight up and against the spread. 0-9 as an underdog. So when they play a team that's better than them, they lose. Now, the the latest loss came to UCLA in overtime. That was a game that they they had a had them. I had them last Thursday on the show, and I thought they were in great shape a couple of times. They had the ball. Kevin, I'm just going to digress on your point. They had the ball with the game tied at the end of regulation. Terrible possession. I don't know if you saw it. Ne- almost never even got a shot off out of the timeout and shot like a 25-foot brick with a hand in the face. Go to overtime. Had the ball down one in the final 40 seconds of overtime and took another terrible shot and ended up losing. So I had them last Thursday. I didn't realize they're 0-9 as a doggy, but you like them here, right? Yeah, I do, and uh, you know both these teams I think aren't that far off from each other. I mean, I, I looked at even UCLA against Colorado, and, and UCLA's been a bad dog as well. Colorado's played well at home, so I really don't want to take that game. But as far as USC goes, I, I just think it's you know it's not a lot of points, and Utah's been been all over the place this year. That I think USC can I mean keep it close. I mean I, I think they can win the game outright, obviously, and. You know, yeah, it's been a tough season for the L.A. teams, but I think that, that USC kept this one. Obviously, Steve Alford is already fired. There have been some questions about Andy Enfield as now they are 15-14. and 14. He's been there. Well, he's been in the NCAA tournament some. This game on the road at Salt Lake City. So you will take USC in a Pac-12 regular season showdown. They'll wrap up the Pac-12 conference on the weekend. I still maintain, uh, Kevin, we keep talking about this, the Pac-12 uh, almost has to hope that somebody other than Washington wins the tournament because if Washington does, they may be the only representative. Uh, I know everybody keeps saying Arizona State. They've got a lot of terrible losses. They've got holes on their resume, bad losses at home. I don't know that they're an at-large team. Even if they win a couple of games on the neutral floor in Las Vegas, it's not going to help Arizona State. 
uh, eight, nine days from now uh, to get those in the eyes of the committee. Let's see. Let's see what happens in the Pac-12. I am going to go Big Ten, and this is a very fascinating situation. Indiana (laughs) and Illinois playing Thursday night uh, in this matchup in Champaign. Uh, Very interesting for the Hoosiers that they've suddenly won a couple of games. They had lost 12 of 13 games uh, in the Big Ten. Sandwiched only around that was a win at Michigan State. Go figure. Yes, they lost to a lot of good teams like Michigan or Purdue or uh, a couple of other uh, decent losses to Iowa, etc. But they got their act together. They won in overtime, a double overtime game against Wisconsin at home. They followed up with a weekend win over Michigan State by one. Now they travel to Illinois uh, do the Hoosiers uh, to play in this matchup on Thursday night and Indiana I I believe barely alive right now for an NCAA at large I know you're going to argue with me you think they are dead ducks right now the Hoosiers the only hope is the automatic bid you're going to disagree with me they're not even barely alive right now CJ, it's an absolute indictment on college basketball Indiana gets in as an at large over some of these teams from these mid-majors that are like 28-2. Like, I don't understand how you lose 14 or 15 games. I know they beat Michigan State twice. That shouldn't get you in the tournament. That you lose 14 or 15 games potentially and you still get in. Like, it is ridiculous that that's the case where, you know, you look at, obviously, you know, Nevada should be in regardless of what they do in their tournament. Wofford should probably be in regardless of what they do in their tournament. But, I mean, my goodness, you can't find a team from one of these major conferences with a strong record like that that should that warrants getting in over a team with 15 losses. Yeah. Well, and in this in this case, the, if they don't win the Big Ten tournament, they would have 15 losses. Whenever they lose the game in the Big Ten tournament, it would be their 15th loss. No team, no team ever has had 15 losses and gotten an at-large bid. There are numerous teams that have had 14 losses and have found their way in the NCAA tournament, but nobody has had... Uh, 15 losses and gotten into the NCAA tournament, but I'm still going to take Indiana on the road at Champaign in this matchup uh, with Illinois in the specific spot, getting two and a half points off of that uh, win over Michigan State. Uh, Again, they have an easy end here with Illinois and Rutgers. Now, what happens in the Big 12 tournament? I again just hypothetically say to you, what happens if they upset somebody like Michigan and upset another tough team? Maybe they beat Purdue or beat Michigan State again. They've got a strong strength of schedule. I just, I think ultimately I agree with you. I would put this at like a 1% chance because 15 losses is going to be too hard to overcome. Way too many losses for Archie Miller's team. And again, teams like Buffalo, if they don't win their conference tournament, there's another one to throw out there uh, that has a strong resume. Um, they're going to get in. You, so you're going to get a second team from some of these little conferences if a Buffalo or a Wofford, a Nevada doesn't win. Uh, even Murray State with John Morant, the fantastic score. If they don't win the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament this weekend, I think they will still get in uh, at large. And so you can't tell me that you wouldn't want to see one of them instead of a 15-loss Indiana team. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll take the Hoosiers on Thursday night in Champaign against Illinois. They beat them earlier in the year at home, uh, very beginning of the Big 12, or I'm sorry, the Big 10 season. I'll take them to get the sweep and at least keep a flicker of hope alive for the NCAA tournament in Bloomington coming up. We've got much more coming up. Kevin, stand by. We'll talk Saturday games with you in just a few moments. Uh, We're also going to talk free throw awareness coming up. Matt Zimmick will be here from CBB Today, collegebasketballtoday.com. CBBToday.com. He'll be here talking free throw awareness. 
that and much more as we rock along. It's March. We love it on Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. And making mention of Free Throw Awareness Month, the hashtag FT Awareness Month. It is, of course, the month of March. And as we're back in on Three Dog Thursday, here he is, the guy that is overseeing all of this, uh, writes and does a great job for CBBToday.com, among others, loves the college game and loves the chucks from the charity stripe, the 15-footer, the free throw. He is Matt Zimmick back with me. Happy Free Throw Awareness Month here from Three Dog Thursday. How are you? Uh, you know, we're, we're living through the trauma of end game situations and uh, we're seeing how blood pressure levels rise when uh, 19-year-olds don't take their responsibilities seriously. But we also admire uh, how peaceful life can become when uh, young men, you know, take care of their studies, do their homework, bend their knees, have the gooseneck follow through and tickle twine. You know, so you we're, you, we're seeing it all. You didn't use the Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and use the bend the knees, gooseneck, follow through, and make your free throws. <laughs> That's what we attempt to do. Uh, okay, from Tuesday night here as part of Three Dog Thursday, there were scary examples after scary examples after scary examples. One of them, Duke. What in the name of Coach K was going on with Duke struggling with Wake Forest 16 of 26 from the foul line, Matt, including 0 of 3 in the final couple of minutes, they almost gave away the game to Wake Forest in large part because they weren't making free throws. Well, and you, you had a luminously talented player who's going to be a first-round draft pick one day, R.J. Barrett, going 6 for 14 individually. I mean, that that's just hard to wrap your mind around a, a guy with his ceiling and his amount of uh, basketball skills going six for 14 from the foul line. I mean, that is, uh, you know, that's almost Ben Wallace territory. Uh, you know, R.J. Barrett could do so many different wonderful things with a basketball. So to see that, that was just absolutely stunning. And, of course, even more stunning that it happened in Cameron, you know, the place where he shoots and, and, and practices and is extremely familiar. That, that, that just came out of nowhere. But Duke has struggled this season. We've, we've documented with you over the last two or three weeks. They've been in the 200s, the 250s all year long. Traditionally a very good free throw shooting program, but not so much uh, for this season. And somehow, some way, the basketball gods again inside of Cameron Indoor Stadium smiled on them that that ball rolled off the rim in the final second. Uh, to avoid a home loss, which would have potentially been devastating. But you can trace some of this back to free throw shooting. It's It's got to be better. And that's not the only ACC team that was struggling again. When we start talking about free throw awareness, the hashtag FT awareness, Florida State found themselves trailing big time to Virginia Tech. Then then were, they were making a comeback only to dig themselves a grave again at the stripe. Well, Florida State was a, was a positive example of this. Um, Florida State, you know, which we, we did well against North Carolina State in a five-point win on Saturday, TJ. Uh, Florida State, again, in that win against Virginia Tech, and, and that comeback, it completed in overtime. Florida State went 19 of 22 from the line. And the guy who has especially been getting it done for the Seminoles at the line, Fiondu Cabangeli, uh, he had went uh, nine of eleven from the line in this last game, and he was seven for eight the previous game against North Carolina State. He is a six ten sophomore, uh, and last year 
he shot just under 66% at the line this year, 77%, an 11% gain. Florida State as a team last season, 69.1% at the foul line. That was 262nd in the country. This year, 74.2, 60th in the country. And, you know, so when we realize that Florida State is going to get a double bye in the ACC tournament, which is a terrific accomplishment for that program, foul shots in overtimes where FSU is 3-0 and and other close games, it's made a huge difference. And so the big man, Kavangeli, at 6'10", you know, he was a very – he still is a, a raw player, but you can see the improvement from year one when he was in the mid-60s to year two where he's now popping in 77% of free throws when a big man is able to take care of business at the foul line given all the contact that he gets and all the fouls that are committed against him by opponents. You can see this season how that makes a huge difference. Yeah, Trent Forrest also 5-for-5 five five at the line last night. Uh, for the Knowles, the time that we're taping this in the Tuesday night game. Um, so again, uh, Terrence Mann, four for four, Florida State doing better. Uh, thanks for picking me up on that because I made it sound like that Florida State almost cost themselves at the line. They basically bailed themselves out of the line, including in the overtime, making uh, some big free throws in the win over Virginia Tech um, as the, the Knowles are doing it the right way. Another team that did it the right way, Kentucky. Traditionally, I know we joked earlier uh, on Three Dog Thursday, uh, you don't have to remind a Memphis fan of what, about 2008 and the Kansas game and the Alamo Dome and all the missed free throws, five in the last minute and a half, three in the last 35 seconds that opened the door for the Mario Chalmers three-pointer that forced the overtime. I live that nightmare every March right now, Matt, on the missed free throws from a John Calipari team. And his Kentucky teams, by and large, not very good year after year at the foul line but this Kentucky team did well enough at the free throw line on Tuesday night against Ole Miss to help them pull out what was a close game in Oxford and help keep them alive for the number one seed in the SEC tournament well and and, you know the the, everything you say is correct and interestingly enough you know when Kentucky gets into the NCAA tournament this year the guy I'm going to be looking at in terms of uh, the Wildcats vouchering is P.J. Washington because if you remember a year ago in Atlanta, you know the South Region broke wide open last year and entering the South Regionals, the Sweet 16, Kentucky was a five seed in that South Region, but Kentucky was the highest seed remaining in the Sweet 16 because you had Virginia losing, you had – uh, number two seed Cincinnati losing. You had number three seed Tennessee losing. So the the field cleared out in Kentucky. You had a five, a nine, a seven, and an 11 seed in that Sweet 16 South Regional in Atlanta a year ago. And the reason why Kentucky didn't beat ninth seeded Kansas State in that regional semifinal was because P.J. Washington missed a truckload of free throws in that game. And Kansas State couldn't really stop him Kansas State had to foul him, but fouling him was certainly better than giving him dunks and layups, and he just kept bricking one free throw after another. That is the number one reason why Kentucky uh, missed out on that golden chance to get to the Final Four as a five seed last year. So when when P.J. Washington gets into a a really tight, tense NCAA tournament uh, scoreboard situation in the final few minutes of regulation or perhaps in overtime, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles the pressure knowing exactly what happened a year ago in Atlanta. Only a 67% free throw shooter on the season. 
is P.J. Washington. The guy that was the hero, pun intended and name intended, was Tyler Hero. He made the two, even though he's got the extra R, he made the two clutch ones to help seal the deal in the four-point win. And I believe I have this correct. I believe Tyler Hero now in his last 15 attempts, Mr. Free Throw Awareness, in SEC play here in conference play, Tyler Hero would be 15 for 15. That is some free throw awareness, is it not, to get it done for Coach Cal? You know, if, if when we say that friends don't let friends miss front ends, I think that uh, Tyler Hero is really the role model for American youth across this great land of ours from sh- sea to shining sea. Uh, this is a man that we can trust. This is a young man who might be president one day of the National Free Throw Advisory Board. Uh, so, you know, he might he might take the baton from me, DJ. Could be. Again, uh, Matt Zimmick with me for just another moment or two as part of Three Dog Thursday. We're talking free throw shooting. And again, you want to follow at FT Awareness on Twitter and also the hashtag FT Awareness. We've got shirts and giveaways. You're going to find that through our social media here. Discounted shirts in your school's colors uh, that we're going to be doing. It is the most important month of the year for college basketball. It is Free Throw Awareness Month, and we love the hashtag FT Awareness to find out more more about it and you'll see Matt tweeting about this every night during games uh, throughout March I'll be doing the same many others of you can join in uh, our friends at tpublic.com t like t-shirt t-e-e tpublic.com have the free throw awareness shirts Again, uh, we will uh, post links to where you can find these different shirts, discounted offers that we're going to have for them. Get them. I I don't care if you're talking about Tennessee orange, Duke blue, Michigan State green, LSU purple. We'll get the free throw awareness colored shirt for your school to match it up for the postseason. So again, the hashtag FT Awareness Month is where you want to go. And there's one more school you want to mention. Great win for Minnesota over Purdue. Um, we're going to talk more about the court storming thing in our final segment when Kevin Rogers rejoins me. But the Gophers did get the win, but barely, Mr. Free Throw Awareness Month, um, the National Free Throw uh, Awareness Advisory Board member. Uh, the Gophers were trying to give that game back to Purdue in the late stages at the foul line. You've got Richard Patino. You've got to work on the free throws in March. Absolutely. You know, both teams were giving away points at the foul line in the final few minutes. Purdue had a chance to to tie the game, I believe, or at least get within one point, but climbed uh, multiple free throws. And so that's why entering the final 10 seconds, the, the Minnesota still had a two-point lead, and the Gophers did make those final two free throws that they had to get a four-point lead and salt that game away. But really, that was a free throw awareness month crisis center. <laughs> and so when, when we when we talk about free throw awareness month and the risks it poses to the American family, a crisis center is when we get into the last two minutes of a close game and both teams are going to need to make pressure free throws. A free throw awareness month trauma unit is reserved for one team, which is doing horribly, kind of like Kentucky against Kansas State in the Sweet 16 a year ago. So we need to be aware of when crisis centers and trauma units are open because we need to be of service to American families. And Purdue had it going uh, in their own crisis center, 9 of 18 from the foul line. Yick. Awful. And in particular for Minnesota, he had a good game overall and finished with 32 points, but Amir Coffey 
was trying to cough up the lead single-handedly for the Gophers. What did he did he miss all five of those missed free throws? Uh, he finished 13 of 18 from the line, but he missed all five of them like in the last three minutes of the game. And suddenly Purdue is within a couple of possessions, if not three, four points, because Coffee kept bricking and bricking. It was a, it was a lot like R.J. Barrett of Duke, you know, the, the guy who can do so many different things, is immensely skilled. Everybody in the gym can see it, but then when you get into a standstill position and everyone's looking at you, uh, the pressure's different. All right, so there you go. Uh, Minnesota did just enough. Uh, Coffee did hit three to ice the game in the final 30 seconds, but he had missed five of them before that in the final three minutes. Five by himself. Not good enough there at the free throw line. All right, one more time. Let's get the plug in before we get out of here, Matt Zimmick, for Free Throw Awareness Month. Friends don't let friends miss front ends because free throws can destroy a family, as the great Bill Raftery said during the UCLA-Cincinnati NCAA tournament game in 2002 in Pittsburgh. Yes, so again, the hashtag FT Awareness Month. Again, follow the Twitter handle at FT Awareness Month uh, to find out more about the offers that we have, the discounts on the merchandise. We're going to be talking about this all through March, conference tournaments, NCAA tournament next week, and much more. Matt Zimmick, thank you, and uh, let's get back to making those free throws from the stripe, sir. Bend the knees and then have the gooseneck follow-through. It starts with the fundamentals. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Oh, we're back in again one more time to talk with Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. As the final regular season weekend for the major conferences, automatic bids going out. Kevin, it will not be long now. Championship week coming next week. By the way, I'll be part, before we're back on Three Dog Thursday, I'll be part of the call of the Horizon League Championship. Uh, This is Wright State uh, along with Green Bay, uh, the top teams that are that are in the uh, uh, in the Horizon League coming in Detroit. That is coming semifinals Monday night championship game on Tuesday night. So I'll get to call an automatic bid winner on Tuesday evening on TuneIn. Uh, I look forward to uh, to being on the call uh, again. We always see something crazy. Northern Kentucky won the tournament a couple of years ago in one of their first years of eligibility for the NCAA tournament. That Green Bay team that's in the semifinals won four games in four nights three years ago to win the Horizon League. Wright State, the defending champion. What will happen in uh, Motor City Madness? I'll be on the call for that, so I can't wait for the college hoops, the automatic bids, and all that's going to be going out next week. 33 conference tournaments will be settled with automatic bids in the blur of games coming over the next week and a half. So we're anxious for that, and we're ready to talk some Saturday games with you. Are you revved? Are you fired up for some Saturday action here in college basketball? Are you ready to go? Stay hungry, stay humble. (laughs) Another reference from Kevin that's out there and that's on the Internet. All right, uh, Saturday slate, very interesting games. Again, Kevin and I do not know at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday, we do not know the Wednesday night results as they factor in here uh, for what's going to take place. Uh, for the games this weekend, but very interesting. Tennessee and Kentucky are battling, for example, for the SEC's number one seed. Uh, Tennessee obviously won the rematch on Saturday. Kevin, Kentucky got a good win at 
Um, Ole Miss, they finish at home with Florida on Saturday, Tennessee on Saturday at Auburn. So it'll be very interesting. Florida will obviously be a heavy underdog at Kentucky. Tennessee, like, I mean, that's a tough matchup there going to Auburn. Maybe Kentucky's going to end up with the number one seed in the SEC tournament real quick. Yeah, you also have LSU in the mix, you know, and, you know, we'll see if LSU ends up uh, there, and, and they've had a great season as well. They beat Tennessee in overtime uh, last week or, you know, or two weeks ago. A couple rather, weeks ago. But, uh, have know, a win, it's really a, to your point, yeah. LSU will win at Kentucky as well. And, again, we don't know the result of the game in Gainesville with Florida. You may, you probably do know that, listening to us on Three Dog Thursday. LSU lost to Florida at home, revenge game for them. But if they win it, they're still in the mix, and they play an easy game with Vanderbilt on Saturday in their regular season finale in the SEC, LSU. Yeah, they're still in the mix as well. And, and obviously have a very easy game against Vanderbilt coming up on Saturday. And highly I'd like to build that one. So, so LSU is still in the mix. And again, SEC tournament in Nashville as well. Michigan-Michigan State revenge game that Michigan State uh, won the first matchup in Ann Arbor. This one now in East Lansing. Michigan State's going to be favored in that game, right? I, I like Michigan maybe as the underdog to pull the upset in the revenge game in this one. That's a Saturday night primetime game in the in the Big Ten finale for those two teams. What do you think? Yeah, hey, and I'm surprised that that one is uh, prime time ahead of UNC and, and uh, Duke. That's a six o'clock game, and Michigan, Michigan State gets the eight o'clock slot. It's pretty, I don't say surprising, but you know, you would think that Carolina and Duke get the, the better time slot. But regardless, yeah, Michigan State will be favored in this game against Michigan, and obviously, you know, that was getting going back and forth the first time around. And, and you have three teams going for that top spot: Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. And they go to Chicago in the Big Ten tournament this year. It's not the Garden anymore. So, you know, I think it'll be a little more familiarity for these schools, not traveling as far. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's the Big Ten has turned into a really good race, too, at the end. And I don't even know if it's a lot to Michigan or Michigan State will win that tournament. I, I think you have a lot of teams that maybe have a shot to knock them off. Now, Iowa, Wisconsin in the mix. Minnesota had the upset of Purdue the other night. You mentioned Purdue. Might Michigan and Michigan State meet three weekends in a row? And you mentioned that, that a year ago they played a week earlier, remember, at the Garden before the Big East tournament. This time uh, they were already done by this time last year, and they were playing at the Garden on the weekend uh, last year. This time they'll play at the United Center next weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend with all of this sorting out in the Big Ten. And we had an ugly situation. Minnesota got a huge win on the court over Purdue uh, midweek on Tuesday night, and then we had another court storm at Barnhill uh, at the barn uh, in uh, Williams Arena for uh, the Golden Gophers. The fans stormed the floor, and uh, the big kid, Luke Harms, for uh, for Purdue uh, was basically accosted by a couple of fans, including one of them he could have swung on. I mean, I have long been over the court storming thing. It should have been dealt with long ago by conferences for a lot of different ways and different reasons. And, Kevin, I think you, you echo those sentiments with me, that you keep seeing these with fans running on the floor and you're asking for disaster. You're asking for, for violence, basically. Well, a couple of things. One, I know it's a silly thing. Unless it's a buzzer beater, if you're the team's going to lose, get them off the court before they let them storm. Like, like get them out of there. And then if the fans want to storm, so be it. But get the players out. And it just comes to a point where I never believed in the I have a ticket, I can do whatever I want thing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's that's reasonable anymore. I think that you have to have a responsibility going down there, and if you intentionally in someone's face 
I wouldn't. I really wouldn't have a problem. With someone that I, I wouldn't because you say, "Oh, well, he hurt me." Like, what? Well, why was it provoked? What happened? He didn't just do that out of nowhere. You did something, and you shouldn't be doing that. You should know better than that. So that's where it, I just say it comes to a point that you just can't be a jerk about it and just get in someone's face and taunt them and think they're going to be fine and just be like, "Okay, no problem." You know, it's just. Can't do that. And, and the player, you know, and the player in that instance has no security around him. And in this case, Harms, who's seven feet, had an official, a game official, a striped shirt near him. But the student is right in front of him, shooting the double bird, the two number ones, uh, right at him. Uh, and you're very, I mean, that, that could have been ugly in that instance. And I know the Nevada Utah State from last Saturday night, where Utah State pulled the upset at home. Uh, the crowd's running on the floor. They're trying to do the handshake line. There's a problem in the handshake line with a couple of people jawing at each other, a Utah State player, Nevada player jawing at each other, some nastiness there. I mean, that kind of goes back to the argument, should there be a handshake line after the game? Should you just get off the court? But I, but I, I also agree uh, schools and conferences should step in, too. I've, I've advocated this. This is radical. Uh, forget about just finding money. Uh, if, if you want to lay down the law in advance and say, if your fans run on the court and you don't control them you're going to lose a home game next year you have one less home game you have one more road game in the conference for doing it and every time this happens you're going to lose a home game from here on out i I bet schools would do a whole lot more to to try to put it into it i know that's radical but if you want to try to keep them off the floor where every everybody knows and understands it could cost us a home game next year in addition to the school getting fined i don't think that means anything uh that might be uh something to to watch and to look at all right so the regular season will end we didn't go over kansas state and oklahoma are playing and i made reference uh earlier too to texas tech finishing at iowa state so somebody other than kansas is going to win the big 12 and win the regular season title who do you think the better team is between texas tech and kansas state right now as we end up is it the red raiders of Chris Beard, who've looked so good, and they had their senior night the other night and looked great? I'd probably give a slight lean to Texas Tech. Kansas State's a very good team. They have some nice road wins in the conference. Obviously, they slipped up against Kansas on the road. But uh, I'd say Texas Tech, but, uh, you know, obviously those two, you get them in the, in the NCAA tournament. If one goes further than the other, we know it's all about matchups. You knew about Virginia last year. The Virginia draws anybody that's not UNBC. They could have gone yeah. a lot further. She's got a terrible matchup. So, that's what it comes down to. So really, out of the two, I'm not going to judge them as far as, you know, if one goes further than the other, then that's the better team. Yep, a lot to be settled uh, here this weekend, including the Big 12, including the Big East, uh, which will be settled on the weekend with Villanova and Marquette battling it out. Who's the number one seed at the Garden? We're going to find out. Listen, uh, we've had a blast talking about all of this with the underdogs. Give the fans where they can find out more about all these games, the regular season finales, the conference tournaments. A great resource is uh, your employer, VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. Yeah, we're wrapping up the regular season for a lot of the major conferences, starting Missouri Valley, but uh, for a lot of the major conferences. And next week, we're going to have all of the big conference tournament uh, previews every single day. It's going to be updated every night and going to the next day because obviously we have very quick turnarounds. We don't see back-to-backs in college basketball unless it's a preseason tournament or the conference tournament. So it's a quick turnaround, and we will – uh, have those up, then obviously the 17th Selection Sunday, we'll have all of the brackets filled out. We have printable brackets. You can check out all the team's information by probably Monday as far as ATS and everything. Once we get it all set up, 
with uh, with all the matchups for the 68 teams. And also, we do keep, I know that this is important to a lot of people, we also keep the you know records available or, or at least the stats available for the NIT and the CBI and the CIT if you want to keep an eye on those games. Because remember, if you can bet them, doesn't matter who it is, <laughs> you can still bet those games. So you can check out VegasInsider.com. You can check us out at TwitBI. And I will say that I am proud of TJ because he finally saw Office Space after 20 years. Oh, how time. about that? Yes, on the We've Seen That uh, podcast that is from our family there at RadioInfluence.com. I did see Office Space, and it has been a, a while since that movie was in the theaters. And you're disappointed that you didn't get to be part of it uh, with me and my co-host, the famous Jay, Jay Betzel. So... Uh, Office Space, one of your top comedies ever. Uh, it's not one of mine. I've only seen it the one time, but uh, you, you have it like in your top five, if not your top ten? It, it, it is, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. I was upset that I wasn't invited on, but that was uh, lapped by you seeing it for the first time in the past <laughs> few weeks. That, that, that lapped it, because then it's like, you haven't even seen this, so we can't really talk about it or reference know. it, you know? I know. Well, we'll, we'll, make, some, we'll make some references. Yeah, I'm going to need you to fill out that TPS report for me, Mr. Rogers. And uh, can you come in on Saturday and work for me? Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so there you go. I'm trying to play the boss there on Office Space. I, I, I want to tell you a quick story. I met Gary Cole yes. at Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati years ago, okay. and I was so thrilled because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's Lumberg. I'm eating Did lumber. he have the suspenders and the big glasses on with the tie like he, he Lumber? He did not. Okay. He, he did not. He did not. And let me say uh, but, this. But you of- have just, I mean, we've digressed, but you've just dropped one of the great rib joints. One of the great places to go get ribs is the Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati, right on the Ohio River. And I've mm-hmm. got the Bearcats on Three Dog Thursday, and you met Gary Cole there, a great actor from Office Space and many other things, including the West Wing on TV and uh, different movies and different TV shows. You've gone up uh, 10 points in my notch. All right, uh, in my book, 10 notches. Uh, Kevin Rogers, thank you for being here again. He's got SM you against Houston. Uh, he's got USC in Pac-12 play uh, on uh, Thursday night against Utah. I'll take Cincinnati against UCF in Orlando. Can UCF get into the NCAA tournament maybe? Will the American Conference have four teams? We'll see. I like the Bearcats, though, on Thursday night. And I'll take Indiana on Thursday night as well to continue winning games at the end of the season here against Illinois. And then we'll see what happens with the final regular season weekend of college hoops. Kevin, good luck with your underdogs. We will know what all about those conference tournaments, who the champions are, etc. And we'll be in the final few days before Selection Sunday when we talk next week. Good luck with the underdogs, sir. Thank you, TJ. And we thank Matt Zimmick for also being here as well uh, as part of Free Throw Awareness Month. Don't forget the hashtag FT Awareness Month on social media and all the merchandise we've got. Because foul shooting, again, friends don't let friends miss front ends. It can't, it, foul shooting can destroy a family uh, when we talk free throw awareness. That'll do it. Kevin Rogers, thank you. I appreciate you hopping on uh, here with me on Three Dog Thursday. We'll see you later. You got it. There is Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves, and thanks for finding us, whether you did so Radio Influence or subscribe, <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, to the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It's Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. When it originally came out, it wasn't the biggest hit ever. It made $10.8 million on a $10 million budget. In today's dollars, that would be $19 million. But as we alluded to before we played the trailer, 
it is now a cult classic by virtue of all the the mediums of people watching it on Comedy Central, DVD, VHS, you know, you, you name it. It just became legendary, especially with the cubicle crowd, because it spoke to so many people. You know, a lot of the movies we've done on our show, Die Hard, Basic Instinct, we recently did The Bodyguard. Those don't really speak to people's everyday lives, right? That's kind of fantasy. This right here, this is about as real as it gets for a lot of people. So uh, to your point, by the way, about how this one blossomed later, if I were to say to the audience, what's a successful DVD sale from the 2000s, the early 2010s of a movie, most people might say like a million or two million DVD sales. We've seen that with T.J. Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.